Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. Rich Hobbs here today. I'm joined by Kim and Jordan right off the back of uh, our post-match Instagram where they both featured uh, on there and they've come over to the podcast as well to talk about the game as well um, and share their thoughts on the defeat to Everton. Guys, briefly, how are we both feeling at the moment? George, how are you? Um, Battered bruised, bored, want the season to end. But yeah, I feel, I feel like a lot of the Wolves players are in the same same boat, really. I think they've all put their annual leave in. I think they're just limping to get into the end of the week so they can go on a two-week bender in Ibiza. That's what it feels like and looks like to me. So I feel very similarly to the players. I can't wait for Sunday. Not for the game, I just can't wait for it to be over. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, Kim, how, how are you? Pretty, pretty much the same, to be honest. Absolutely mentally drained at sort of saying the same thing over again as to how poor we are. Um, yeah, the same really, just ready for a holiday. Need some sun somehow, need to just relax and think about nothing but wolves, anything but. <laughs> not talk about our midfield crisis or anything like that but before we dissect the Everton game uh two quick uh, announcements um firstly we're now part of the 90 Min football network um great to be part of um the uh, like-minded community of podcast creators um so it, it's again really positive for us moving forward and hopefully we'll be able to bring some sort of fresh and interesting things to you going into next year. Uh, the other one is that on Bank Holiday Monday, Wolves Fancast are playing a charity football match against, I was going to say Wolves Twitter. That seems very... Um, that is, that is on the poster, Rich. It, it is on the... It is, I am literally quoting the promo material. <laughs> uh, but essentially, um, as you know, there's about uh, 10 or so Fancast guys um, within our group. And we're with a couple of extras, a couple of ringers like our founding father, Dave Evans. Uh, we're in a charity match against some other um, podcasts, uh, YouTubers as well, from like Wolf Whistle, uh, Talking Wolves, uh, Always Wolves as well, and Wandering Wolf. I feel like I'm missing one. Apologies. 77. 77 club. club. There we go. Sorry, Harry. Um, so, yeah, uh, we are raising money for Mind, the mental health charity. Uh, the donation link is on our Twitter feed now. Feel free to donate if you can do. should be plenty of fun. I believe there's forfeits on the day for people playing. Um, I know I'm not um, available to play, but Jordan, I know you are primed and ready. How are you feeling in, uh, in advance for it? Um itching to go I think I've got I was really excited about it and I'll be honest with you it's obviously for a great cause and um, you know a few of us on the fan cast still play or, or have only just stopped playing so I think there's a few of us of differing levels of footballing history and ability I think and um, I'll be honest with you the closer to it the more I'm shitting myself about the thought <laughs> of getting begged by by someone from Wondering Wolf or Always Wolves and then thinking the closer it gets, I think there is a bit of a, especially from our side anyway, I think there is a bit of a, I think we're starting to um, gear up a little bit now. I think we're trying to psych each other up now that actually we, we don't want to lose. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting. No, I mean, there, there, there will be sanctions involved if we do lose. And frankly, if I hear about any embarrassing moments, shall we say, 
So fingers crossed there won't be. It should be hopefully we get the weather and it should be a a a great day with some uh, I guess some other Wolves content creators as well and sort of playing down Molyneux. So now we've got the fun part out of the way. Should we talk about Everton? Yeah, if we've got it, yeah. Yeah. We sort of got. I was going to say we're contractually obliged. We're not. We do this for we do this for free out of our own pocket. But we'll, we'll talk about it. So uh, we'll go line up first. And after a few weeks of four at the back, we've gone to a five at the back, and also really starting in goal. Now, I fit. I know George. You're, you're very much a four at the back's the way forward for us. Um, do you think it was the right move? Um, I mean, do you think, for, for me, I, less about sort of five at the back or three at the back. I think it was a, a lot more about making sure we had the three in the middle as well to sort of consolidate with um, their numbers as well. I think we tried to match them, if I'm honest with you, because yeah. we playing with the three at the back. And um, yeah, I am a massive advocate of playing four at the back for the, for the the purely for the purpose of getting as many of our creative and attacking players on the pitch as possible. The reality is they're all in hospital at the minute. <laughs> no, you know, yeah. all, you know they're, they're just not. They're, you know, they're not in the squad. They're not fit. So, you look at the squad. Um, the under twenty threes played on Monday, and there's a few of those guys who would have made up the bench, and maybe Theo Corbin might have got a start or at least some game time. Obviously, all those guys were wiped out as well. So, I think it's more horses for courses, really, with what we had available. And um, I wasn't against the lineup, to be honest with you. I like. I've said before, I'm not Kilman's biggest fan, but after the way he played against Brighton, I can't believe he got dropped the, you know, the next game. Um, it was good to see him back in and obviously Aitnery in his normal natural position. Um, yeah, I can't really moan about the lineup. Um, it wasn't that inspiring, but again, I, I generally think it was horses for courses, like I've said. Yeah, I think um, it, a bar Traore it felt like we had almost all our players in square pegs in square holes, if you know what I mean, Kim. Like, there wasn't like, uh, as sort of George said, we weren't trying to um, get people out. Uh, you know, people weren't out of position, were they? Like, we weren't having to sort of have Gibbs out wide. He played in a central position for most of the game, and I think that really benefited him. Yeah, it's it's definitely his best position. And I know I've said, and again, it was on Instagram Live, but... Said it for on the last pod as well. I think that Gibbs White, unfairly or fairly, has got had a lot of criticism in his Wolves career um, due to more so his off the field antics in terms of social media stuff. Which again, twenty year old lad, rightly or wrongly, I, I don't really buy it as such. But I genuinely thought that Morgan Gibbs White was finished as a Wolves player um, at the start of the season when he went out alone at Swansea. I just thought from you know back to back back to back seventh position finishes. Europa League quarterfinal. I thought that we'd really be the catalyst for us to kick on again. Obviously, we know where we are. We are where we are. And credit to him, I think it takes a lot of mental strength to come back in the team and perform at the levels he's been performing at and justified his start. And I thought he had a really good first half as well again, especially in his yeah. number 10 so, position. So, fair play to him. I think, um, I, I mean, to be fair, I'm probably one of the few in the fan cast who has pretty much stuck by him in the sense that I, I think he's definitely a player um, and I, I genuinely believe he has got the quality to be a Premier League maybe not quite just yet he's probably sort of 12 months away from that point but I also think he's arguably um, not quite put himself in the shop window again but if let's say Swansea do get promoted which they are two games away from doing now 
if they came in with a ten million pound bid for him and he went, I could get on board. I could understand it now, and I could, I could, I could see him being able to do it at a lower Premier League level um, without sort of sounding too. I, I guess sort of shooting down Swansea too much in case if my in-laws are listening. No, but I think you're right though. I think it's um, like like I said, my point just like for a team that's finished seventh back to back in an Europa League quarter final, should he you know, I don't think he, he wouldn't he wouldn't be playing if we'd have carried on on that vein, you know, on that yeah. stretch we were being on. Um but like I say, I think since he's come back in the team, he's been really, really good and um it's nice to see. And I thought again tonight, I don't think he did anything wrong. I think Bar Triore, I thought he was probably our best player again. So I can't really, I can't really fault him at all. Yeah, partic- partic- I was going to say particularly in the first half. You know, we got, um, he got dragged off sort of part way through the second. I think yeah. sort of we ran, as we ran, as we ran out of ideas. But uh, Kim, what did you make of sort of Ruddy starting? Um, I was a bit shocked actually. I didn't actually. In, in hindsight, it looks like, you know, fair decision, give John Ruddy sort of the run out in in, in preparation for next week. I would imagine Ruddy's going to be back back to that game. Um, so I was a bit worried because I do feel like John, John Ruddy's um, prone to errors a little bit more. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. He, he didn't get tested tonight. So, yeah, couldn't, couldn't fault him overall. But... Yeah, I guess it was just one of those, you know, where he's he's coming to the end of his time at all. So you you can't you couldn't begrudge him a start in the end. Although I was a little bit angry when I saw the the lineup. Yeah. In hindsight, it was you know it didn't affect the outcome of the result at all. You know he couldn't have have saved the the goal at all. Actually, someone on Instagram Live did make a point that he should have saved the. the um, the Everton's goal, which I completely disagree with, he should never have been have actually come out for, for the ball because it was almost spinning away and not even in the six yard box. So, yeah, faultless performance from him, I think. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was like he's got such an interesting sort of well, he's got almost a very traditional goalkeeping style compared uh, or English British goalkeeping style compared to Patricio, who's a bit more continental and. It was almost it was quite refreshing to see him come and claim crosses and as soon as he gets the ball, he runs to the edge of a box and he's looking to distribute it and things like that. And I, I, I really like Patricio, but he does live and die in that six yard box and it's not always to the benefit of the team. And yeah, it felt very much like it was a bit of a farewell performance that um, you know, we didn't necessarily want him to go out. Uh, you know, if, if he leaves in the summer, which I think is probably going to be likely, um, maybe playing against a pretty good Man United team where we could, let's say, concede three goals might not be what they want him to go out. And I mean, to be fair, he he did play at Everton for a bit. I know he only played like one game in five years or something silly. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, there, there, it seemed to be sort of quite a symbolic performance more than just dropping Patricio in my in my mind. Yeah, it's just I think it's just a like a farewell gift, and I'll be honest with you, I I genuinely think he'll probably start Sunday as well. Okay. Um, I just think that you know Patricio's well. It all depends because if the rumours of what you're led to believe about Patricio and Roma, it might have any truth yeah. to him as well. You never know what that'll do as well. I just think, um, like I say, I think I mentioned it again on Instagram Live that for Chapu coming, he's been with the club what four years now. 
free transfer as well, I believe he was at the time. Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, he's just been a good servant. And I think, you know, he's definitely not, he's not Rui level, far from that, but he did a job for us in the championship. And unfortunately, in some of the cup games, he's probably, well, he's made mistakes. I think he'd be the first one to admit that as well. But I think for someone who, you know, who's apparent, you know, apparently, you know, seemed like a good person around the pitch, in terms of around the, the squad, should I say, um, doesn't appear to have ever moaned and just got on with his job. And what I always used to like to see about John Ruddy, whatever you think about his football ability, was um, when he used to be in the tunnel after the games and he yeah. used to be the one high-fiving everyone coming in. And that, that's just a real team player and a, you need those around a squad, I think. So, you know, if it, you know, it goes with my best wishes and I wish him well for the rest of his career. Just going yeah, back think, to Patricio yeah. as well, um, I think you make a good point there, George, around the um, around Patricio maybe not playing Sunday. I still probably think he just about will, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he's going to the Euros. Is it that you know Nuno's giving him a rest in to be ready, prepared for that game, or and maybe would Neves and Martinez also not start that game? Um, I'd like to think we're putting Wolves ahead of Portugal, but again. Wouldn't be too surprised at, at, at that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think with sort of so little to play for on Sunday, it, it's going to be interesting seeing seeing that line, uh, seeing what the lineup could look like. And I think, um, um, as, as you said, sort of, George, I think it's a term in American sports where it's a good locker room guy. Yeah, and I think I think that's very much John Ruddy, isn't it? But you know, he came to a club at a really difficult time. He signed two days after Akeem got diagnosed with leukemia. And that was already on the cards anyway. But he had, he had big, well, gloves to fill um, yeah, in American terms. Uh, it, it, well, in those sorts of terms. And, you know, he stepped up really admirably. When we got promoted, he understood his, understood his position. He was obviously part of the FA Cup run, whether he should have played all those games is up for debate but you know had a fantastic game against uh, Man United in that quarterfinals and you know what I think no yeah he, he's probably not always benefited from long periods out for just playing those cup games and that was a bit of my worry tonight and he completely quelled them so you know I, I think if he does if he does end up playing Sunday again I won't be mortified or you know raging on raging on Twitter but um into the game itself First half was actually quite good fun. We actually looked like we're almost back to the walls of old. You know, we're picking up in little spaces. Cody was starting to hit a few more diagonals. And I thought, oh, penultimate game of the season. Why, why the hell not actually do, do what we're good at? But for all the, I, I guess, neat play and um, how sort of, I, was, I thought it was fairly technically good. And we held Everton at arm's length for most of it didn't really ever look like truly scoring. No, I think it goes back to uh, Andy Gillard's favourite saying on here about all fart, no shit. Um, and I think it's just one of those things where it's sort of, I thought we were good in the first half. I thought, like you say, I I said on the pod in midweek, sorry, on midweek, on the weekend, that I just don't know what our identity is anymore. Mm. That, that first half was our identity, what it's been the blueprint for, for the last three and a half seasons underneath of for near enough four seasons obviously now under Nuno so it was good to see and I thought like you know we had like I think it was 10 corners I think someone said in the first half it was definitely a lot of corners anyway um, the quality of those corners have been the same as all season I saw a stat that apparently we're 19th 
four chances scored from set pieces this year, or set, um, yeah, 19th in goals scored from set pieces this year, and 20th when it comes to conceding goals. And 25% of our goals have been conceded from corners this season. And it just shows, and again, I know we get on to the second half, that's nothing more than getting it tactically wrong. That, you know, there's a lot of factors as to why the season hasn't been as what it has been, but that's purely down to tactics for me. I was going to say, it's controllable. If we take out set pieces then, does that make us a, let's pretend that they don't exist then, then we're a great team, aren't we? Yeah. We might as well get the headlight rolling as well, like we're playing five aside. <laughs> Can you imagine if um, at Goodison Park, they had, um, it was set like goals. So you had it metre high wall. You didn't have to say, like Kim said, you couldn't have thrones, you couldn't have corners and we just keep on playing. That I think there's mileage in that. It sounds like a, it sounds it sounds very. We've already mentioned America a few times, but it sounds very American. Yeah, that, something they'd like to do. What like Bring a, a cage? A, yeah, like a Budweiser um, half-side multi-ball system. Yeah, something yeah. like that. It'd have to be another ball, though. You couldn't. You wouldn't have to put the ball in the net either, because we're no good at that either, are we? Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, when you say that, we're also not good at keeping the ball either. So. Is football really <laughs> that strong point? <laughs> um, I was going to say, yeah, it, it was good um, first half. And I thought, you know what? We, we're showing a bit here. And going to halftime, I thought, nil-nil. Everton haven't shown a lot either. But yeah, this, this is what we want. We, we know the pressure's off both teams, but, you know, we, we're giving it some here. And then what? Three minutes after halftime, we conceded? Yeah, it's just it's just standard in it. It's just war. It's just our season. But you know what the difference was between the first half and the second half? I said on the Instagram live before the game, this game will be won in centre midfield. You know, yeah. really, and getting to all those second balls. Now, first half we were on it. The crowd were right on their backs because they were second to everything in the middle of the park. We were, you know, Adama looked so. Good. They had three, four men round him. All Gibbs White looked great. And then second half, I don't know what happened, but maybe Ancelotti must have given them a rocket. But that was completely the other way around, I think, in the second half. And they really um, looked like that they were really like good going forward in comparison to us, where we looked good going forward in the first half, but we never actually had lots of chances or we looked like scoring whereas Everton they had a few chances where they were sort of you know carving us open and you really thought that you know they'd get get at least one and, and probably put a second past us although although they didn't um so I think that was the difference between the the two teams as well you know they had Calvert Lewin up top we had we've got Silva who it, you know, I'm not going to dig him out, but again, his lack of experience showed. And I think if we had Jimenez up top, it could have been a different game today. Yeah, um, I mean the, the midfields. Uh, I mean, we sort of mentioned sort of Matino and Nevis earlier, and it after half time, just that that midfield three plummeted. And I thought it said Gibbs White. Interesting, like his probably one of his best moments was having that volley on the edge of the box where he picked up the second ball and we just didn't ever sort of quite uh you know quite do that um a, a consistently throughout the game which which was a shame 
And, you know, <laughs> we have got a really big situation with some about who we should be playing, um, you know, next season in that midfield because, um, you know, uh, J- Jordan, what, what did you say before the game about Matinho? <laughs> Oh, oh, you mean before this? Uh, before the pod started? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd, if he was a racehorse, he'd have been put down. Yeah, <laughs> he would. He'd have been shot. He'd have been put out of his misery because, again, he's. I'm not going to go on a massive rant about Matinho. Best player I've seen in the Wolves shirt. Superb. You can just see his legs are gone, and it's so sad to see. It's almost like watching just someone, like just go on the decline in front of you. It's horrible to see. Um, he isn't going to be at Wolves next season. I, I, you know, there's the rumours about him going back to Porto on a free transfer, and fair enough, go back to your boy club and see out your career. I think that would be fantastic for him. Um, I just don't think he's at the level. Or, or maybe he's not not at the level, but I just don't think he's got the legs to play Premier League football anymore. Doesn't make it, you a bad player no. overnight, but um, yeah, he's uh, he can't get around the pitch like we need him to do in our system anymore. So, yeah, it's just I don't see him. I don't see him sticking around past the summer. Yeah, I sort of think that we need to build. If you're going to have him in, you need to almost build a team around him. So you you arguably have him essentially in that number ten role in a sort of a free role, not not, not necessarily attacking, but then you have some very very strong you know runners. Um, defensive midfielders sort of surrounding him to, to to do all his donkey work and just let him just roam the pitch picking up space but we don't play that system and we can't afford to have that luxury no. and if it's a case of you know we've got Ruben Neves who has kind of definitely not reached his ceiling as a player in my um, in my belief anyway and if we're asking well hang on we need to work on the core of this team and we can only sort of actually focus on one of them. It's got to be the 22-year-old, not the 34-year-old. Yeah, but I've got, I'm starting to fear now. And I think Neves has had a, again, I don't think he wasn't very good today. And he wasn't very good on the weekend as well. Like, I think he's just knackered. And I think mm. a lot of the team are knackered. So I do want to put it down to that. But I'm coming to the realisation now that I don't think Ruben Neves is going to hit his potential at Wolves. I think it might be a Diogo Jota situation where, He's got to be. He's got. We've seen the best of Ruben Nevers at Wolves in terms of what he can, and not not this season, but we've seen his level, which is obviously a fantastic level. But him as a player, selfishly, I, I can see him wanting to move on, and he'll probably take his game to another level. But I just don't think we. It's sad, sad to say, I don't think we're the club that can help him get to the, to fulfil his potential. No, Do you uh, actually think that no, I don't see. I don't think we've got a Jota situation on our hands purely because it feels like to me, and this is just opinion that um, he's pretty settled in at Wolves, and he do, he's you know I feel like he'll be a future captain that will st- will build the team around him, and that we get a centre midfielder, new centre midfielder in that will complement him a little bit better and he can, and we can almost play to his strengths a little bit more. Um, No, because I think in spells, he's been good this season, but sometimes he's been like really bad. He's shooting. I don't know what on earth has happened to that because every free kick he takes, you know, you watch it on the telly, the commentator builds it up and you know it's sailing, you know, it's not even going to be near it's not going to be on target. Um, so I think it, it's been, it's hard to, to sum up his season, isn't it? You know, he's been good in patches, but not 
and and probably a bit more consistent than the other players. But some some games he's literally looked like he's he's stuck in mud. But personally, I think we should he'll stay and we'll we'll build the team around him. I don't think we've got a just a situation on our hands. I think um, I, I get I, I always get what you're both saying. To be fair, and I think he's reached his ceiling with the current players he's got balls. He need, he almost needs some better players around him and if that makes him play better than great. If that doesn't make him play better, then it, you've either got to question his his ability or the team's overall. And it might be a situation where, you know, if he goes to, I don't know, Man United, let's say, that he, he's he's got those forward players he can release those balls to better, he'll have more time on the ball maybe but yeah, a lot of that, and I think as well the movement of our you know attacking players isn't you know yeah. they're, they're not as experienced are they whereas before we had Raul and Jota who got exceptional movement so maybe that's affected him yeah and and he loved that ball over the top to Jota and he didn't always quite do it enough in the Premier League compared to the Championship but, you know throwback to Everton pretty much this time last year where we blitzed him off the park and never had probably his best game in the Premier League um, and sort of he's, he did a raking pass over top to Jota I think for the third goal and we just there's no need to him to connect to in those same wavelengths he doesn't have that uh, you know that chemistry with Traore where you think actually he's someone who can run behind if he wants to but he doesn't want to play that way so I think the midfield is going to be a really tricky one going forward uh, we, we've talked about um, conceding do you think we had a penalty shout? Um, uh, uh, I, f- I think it was from Traore sort of uh, cut the ball back and it hit the Everton player's arm. Did go to VAR. Now, <laughs> I've watched it back a couple of times now and I genuinely almost don't quite see why it wasn't given. I don't get it in terms of as soon as you come to VAR, I don't actually understand how they're looking at it at Stockley Park and saying it isn't a clear and obvious error because it's like he's playing netball. It's like a netball pass, like a chess pass. Like he's just literally flicked it away with his hands. And it's just, again, maybe that's just our season. I'd rather have all our bad luck now and we can just reset, have the great reset and uh, piss the league next year, hopefully, uh, and get all the luck and everything that comes with it next season. But, yeah... It's not just going to define our season, but church the imagination, but it's a stonewall penalty for me. Do you know what surprised me? That literally none of our players were almost appealing for it, from what I can mm. remember. Like, none of them appealed. And to me, I mean, it was a stonewall penalty. I was like, surely this is going to be VARD and give it. Because he, his hand goes directly to the ball. It doesn't even almost hit his hand. His hand goes towards the ball. So I don't understand the... How does an explanation for so, why it wasn't given? Because so, for me, um, it was a really awkward movement to have your arms like that. I don't quite know why he surely like if he if he just had his hands in like a normal running position, it would have just hit his chest and gone out. Um, it was similar for me in like the one against the Albion when we lost to them, and like uh, yeah, and so like, if you, I've never done any form of running where I ended up with my hands like up against, you know, pushed out against my chest. And even if you try to block a ball or it's going to hit you, that isn't the movement you do. You turn your shoulder into it. You don't, you don't put your hands there. You, you know, you try and throw your shoulder instead because in football, you've got 
less like it hits your hand, you're more likely to get given for a handball. Surprise, surprise, if it hits your hands rather than like hits your shoulder or whatever, because you're clearly just trying to block yourself. I think it was, yeah. I mean, I, we, we, I was gonna say, I sound really negative. So I was like, well, we probably still wouldn't have got, uh, we still probably wouldn't have scored or drawn, but you know, it, it won't make a difference in the, in the grand scheme of things. But I do think it was a, um, I do think it was sort of a missed opportunity. And maybe if we were actually competing for something, it, it would be a lot different. But, um, I guess to round up Everton chat, um, who kind of came out with, I guess, positives for yourselves, um, kind of either going into Man U or even going into next season? Um, three for me. For me. Oh, go on, yeah. For me, I would say, so out of the lineup today, who's, you know, really should push on and, and stood out. I think Traore is the obvious one. You know, if he, once we've got all the, the injured players back, and we've actually got some movement and creativity in the final third. I think you know, it'll do wonders for Troy Ray because I feel a bit sorry for him. Really, I think he'd have a lot, a, a lot more assists and potentially goals if he, if he had people with him. Um, who else? So probably Morgan Gibbs White. Now I don't think he's going to be like a starter next season, and I hope to God he's not because that'll mean that we won't have signed anyone. Um, but. I think he will be definitely be in and around the squad, and if he carries on the way he is, he'll probably make 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 a lot more appearances. I think than he has for for Wolves for this season. Um, who else? Ain't Norris. You know he, he's young, but I hope we sign him permanently because um, I think he's got a real future ahead of him. I still still don't know if he's should be at left back week in and week out he's still quite young but and I don't know how long Johnny's going to be out for but if if Johnny's out say till November next year then we could potentially just sign out Noria and and have them competing for the the two left back back spots um other than that today there's probably one more and I think I don't want to come across biased because obviously I think Kilman's an underrated player but I think again I think he had one point in the, in the match where he was nearly caught out. But apart from that, again, solid, solid performance. And he's left-footed, so he looks very comfortable on that side. So, again, I wouldn't... He shouldn't be starting next season. But, again, I think he should be, be in and around the squad. Yeah, Joel, how, how about you? Because I think sort of, you've almost summed it up quite nicely, Kim, to be fair. But, again, it was almost the, the, the younger players in Traore who seemed to do well. And that does definitely sort of bode well for the future. Um, any sort of names that are standing out for yourself, Jordan? No, I think for me, the four that I think covered themselves in glory were of the outfield players anyway, were Troy Oray, Gibbs White, Aitner and Samedo for me. I thought thought they were all solid enough. Again, I'm not going to give them nines or eights out of tens, but I thought they were solid enough. And um, yeah, the rest of them... Yeah, like I say, let, let's not dwell on this game. Let's just, like I say, get this podcast wrapped up, get the one on Sunday wrapped up, and let's just start afresh and forget all about this season. No, that sounds good. Well, before we completely wrap up, we do have lots more episodes of the Fancast before, between now and the end of the season. But uh, we will be talking about the Man United game right after. Hi, Richard here. 
before you go back to hearing us dissect the latest Wolves news, some really shoehorn Simpsons references, a bit of 90s film action, of course, a bit of wrestling, um, I just want to do a quick shout out for our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Now, they've done a fantastic job on the Wolves Fancast website, wolvesfancast.com, please go check it out. But they're not just web designers, they're a creative agency that cover all your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. There's basically nothing they can't do marketing wise. So make sure you check them out at pixelyetimedia.com and I'll let you get back to enjoying the show. This. Welcome back. Um, So as I was going to say, George mentioned about sort of, you know, just putting our heads over the blanket and just wait almost wake me up when when september ends but you know um when july ends i think it will be for ourselves um but um some breaking news kind of coming out of the club which i thought i'd sort of mention on here is the update uh regarding uh raul jimenez um essentially i was gonna say it is positive in terms of his sort of long-term professional future it very much reads that uh he won't be playing uh this season well on sunday but uh, essentially i'll read it very briefly or uh, the part that's actually relevant but um further match-based rehabilitation will start in july and will be tightly controlled initially uh this uh, respects the fact that although his recovery appears to be total there is a big step from training to competition so by the sounds of it he's kind of got he has received the all clear um, to start activities on aerial jewels and heading, which I think was quite an important one, but it doesn't seem that he's going to start on Sunday. So I think by and large, we'll happily take that and not worry, not getting like that 10 minutes, um, you know, against Man United. Yeah, well, I, yeah think- no, I thought, I thought, I think that he could have started again, not started, but come on, maybe it's, you know, at the end of the game, but from what from reading that um, sort of content, it sounds like the, there's sort of no point in risking him if he's only just starting heading the ball in training. I guess it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? When you're actually going into sort of competition into proper games, so hopefully he gets a good pre-season and then you know comes back um, fighting, ready for for next season. But it's interesting reading that that he's got to wear the uh, protective band and then he'll have to do that for the for the rest of his career now. So hopefully I just think it's it's probably more like mentally getting him ready for the competition as well as sort of physically. Definitely George, how are you feeling like? Yeah, there's no point playing him um, Sunday, even for a minute. I think you know he might come out on the pitch or something to get a round of applause. Um, but for me, really, it's health before anything else. And I think that I'd be shocked, and I really hope we don't lose Raul, the, the player we had, but I'd be shocked if we get half the player that we had pre-injury. Um, that's not me being negative on the situation. I just think, um, you know, especially, you know, with the injuries had that fractured score as well. I think, you know, 60-40 is in his favour, 70-30 is in his favour even. You're going to, it's going to play in your mind. I think that's going to be his biggest challenge. He's not going to lose his footballing ability overnight, but it's going to actually be the mental, the mental battle really of, right, I'm fit. I'm, you know, it was, you know, it's, it was a freak accident. 
uh, freak incident and I've got to compete like I did before. I, I just think that those sort of injuries, you lose the edge or you can lose your edge. So I really hope it hasn't happened to Raul. I hope he comes back far and fit. But I am being a bit sceptical really about after such a serious injury that he can come back and be the player he was. Yeah, I think um, it is, it's going to be really difficult for him. I sort of, I know, just going off how he plays in a way and that he is, just seems to be so driven in his game. That's the, that, that is the glimmer of hope I have that it doesn't become one of those situations where we see with quite a few, you know, top-level footballers where they've sustained a serious traumatic injury and they've never quite been the same player. And, you know, I think by the sounds of it, the recovery he's made so far in the last six months is outstanding. The fact that he's back training already, the fact that he is in contact training, par-heading the ball um, up until now, kind of does say that, you know, he's physically there. It's just whether mentally he can kind of climb those hurdles because he was a, quite a physical player as well. He wasn't someone who shied away from that side of the game. He liked to, you know, he wasn't afraid to challenge with a goalkeeper and to put his head where it hurts. Um, and he, shouldn't feel, he shouldn't feel like the whole team rides on him because that's what I'm worried about next season. We, mm. Like most fans are thinking, great, we've got Raul back, but actually, is he going to be the same player? And does he, you know, he doesn't deserve to have all that pressure on him anyway because we shouldn't just be relying on strikers to score goals, essentially. So the question will be is, are we going to sign a striker or not? Because then we've got Raul, who's, you know, with his injury, we don't know how he's going to be. We've got Silva, who, you know, is promising, but he's still only very young and learning. And then who else? We're not going to sign Willian. Are we going to bring back Rafa Mer? I think we've either got to bring him back or recoup some money and, and try and get another striker. But I don't know, maybe, maybe just give Rafa Mer a go. Yeah, I mean, he's done so well this season. Yeah, he's so, so what you've alluded to there, Kim, about um, with Raul and stuff, like about the fans thinking, oh, Raul's back. That's going to fix all the problems. I hope Fosen don't think that, and I hope Nuno isn't pinning that on. Raul's going to come back and pin our hopes on it because it's a long old wait from the beginning of September to January. Uh, we take that chance and just say, right, Raul's back, we're going to play him, all our problems have gone away. If he's not the player he was and we're struggling, guess what, those strikers that we want, there's going to be an extra £10, £15 million pound on top of it now because they know we need them. So, yeah, I hope they make the right decision. Um, and if we don't buy a striker in the summer, then I hope that it's because Raul is back to the Raul that we we know and love. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, I guess that brings us up nicely to a game where it feels like we're not massively looking forward to um, unless you well go into the game. And that's the game against Man U, last game of the season. Usually it's a bit of a, a celebratory sort of festival game, last game of the season. Um, there will be fans in the stand, so hopefully that should kind of bring a little bit extra uh, to to the occasion because otherwise it's going to be, you know, not much to play for. But uh, usually we could predict the lineup, and even after a loss, we could predict it. But I could see three or four changes even from uh, tonight's game. 
And I, I genuinely don't know where he, where Nuno might be going with it. Does he start Virginia? Does he start, start Gibbs White? Does he go for the back, three at the back? Kim, um, how do you think we might line up against Man U? I think we could all try and predict it and we, none of us would get it remotely right. As you say, it's, you know, it's firstly, is he going to go back to the five like he did today? Or is he going to go back to four? I'd like to think that, you know, go back to a four, keep the wing-backs as they were tonight, maybe play Cody with Kilman, dare I say. You know, he took Bolly off again tonight. Freshen up the centre midfield. That would be my one plea. And I'm not even that bothered about the game. But please, Nuno, if you're listening, please play Vitinha in centre midfield alongside probably Neves and give Jao a a rest because if he's going to the Euros I think he needs to put his feet up for a a week or two Um, so yeah as I say I guess it doesn't really matter about the team too much I think I think it'd just be nice for the people that are going for whoever plays for them to put a a performance on for the fans because I think we're due a entertaining performance because right now the last few games you know apart from little spells in the game we've not been entertaining at all so I think again as well it depends on on United team as well in terms of how the game will go I'm fully expecting Man United will play a really really weakened team um, like they've kind of done against Fulham so if they've done that against Fulham you know 10, day, 10 days before the, the final, they sure will against us. So I'd like to think we'd pull out a performance and, and potentially get the win. Yeah, George, um, how are you feeling about the game? And do you think Nuno's going to pull a surprise or can you see him going back to almost a classic 3-5-2 uh, with Neves, then Donker and Matino in the middle? I hope he does, but I don't really know what choice he's got. And again, this sounds really negative, and especially because I'm on, on the fan, you know, recording this podcast as well. I, I sort of, I don't really care for it either. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glad that I went in the ballot for the, for the, for the United game. Um, my decision was made, well, I was in priority three for one, but my decision was made when the prices came out. Um, I've genuinely just had enough of this season. Um, and, I think a lot of fans are in the same boat. Uh, let's just get the 90 out of the way. It'd be great to see him play the kids. It'd be great to see us experiment with some stuff. But um, I, I, I fully expect us to beat Man United for one on the weekend because I do think they're going to be playing their reserves. But what lineup will play? Formation, players, couldn't tell you. I really wouldn't have a clue. I think you you know if you got all eleven, I think I'd give you a million quid. I think that I think that's where it is right now. I haven't got a million quid, by the way, before anyone starts no. DMing me the team lineup. What I might <laughs> what I might do is get all the uh, fancast team to um uh, to uh, guess their prediction on like Friday, and we all we all have to write it secretly down and see who gets anywhere near the nearest. Yeah. Um, but we we'll see again. We're not sure on the lineups of either team. Do you have a wild stab in the dark in terms of score prediction before we do Twitter Corner? I'll go 4-3 Wolves. 4-3 Wolves. Okay. But bold considering our inability to score, but we'll, we'll see. How about you, Kim? 
I feel like I've changed every time I've been asked this question, which feels like a lot lately, I've changed my mind. But I'm going to go with what I said earlier on Instagram Live. I'm going to go 2 1 balls just purely on the basis that we've got fans in a Man United will play their reserves. So, yeah, go positive. I'm going to go probably hilariously, not even, yeah, probably negative and boring. I'm just going to go nil nil. Just. Just see it out the way we, you know, just... just... You might as well have gone for a loss. At least the, the fans are going to see some goals. God. Yeah. <laughs> I I just think that we we just won't have it in us to score. <laughs> we, we, we'll put on a show by defending is what we'll do. Um, shall we try and brighten up our day with some Twitter corner questions? Why not? Let's go for it. Yeah, Let's go. right. Thank you very much for your questions. Um, there's some, uh, there were some uh, pretty good ones actually this week. Um, that's why I sort of weirdly paused on it, but um, no, I, I won't read it. We, we won't answer Adam uh, Pode's, I want to say, which is why we so shit because we on, I think this is podcast 80 of the season, so just listen to them throughout the season. We've, <laughs> we've catalogued it pretty well. Um, Elliot Rollison asks 2P or 10P slot machines at the arcade. Um, which one do you prefer, and what's the favorite item you've ever won? I'll, I'll broaden it out to at an arcade, it doesn't have to be on a on a slot machine. Um, you sort of just any, any, yeah, arcade game. I used to love. So used to family family holidays always used to be in Pembrokeshire growing up. So always used to go into Saundersfoot Arcade, uh, change about three pound, get all the two P's and play the two P slot machines. So there's two versions of it. There's just the typical the drop down, and you know you could win like a like a yo yo or a pack of love arts or just some tokens to exchange for some prize. You know prizes behind the counter but do you ever do you remember like the horse racing ones they used to do as well yeah. you have to bet the two peas and then you watch them run um i used to like them ones as well to be fair um best thing ever won in an arcade um was when me and my partner we went to mexico and um it was like i don't know what the coin was a peseta i don't know and i didn't realize that the grabber was you win every time so but I didn't realise that, so I just thought I was class. So I put like four coins in. I won four, four like toys, cuddly toys. I thought, bloody hell, I've like cracked it. This is like the Da Vinci Code. Like, I've, there's a profession in this. And uh, then I watched like another kid have a go, and he won as well. I thought, hang on a minute. Then I read like the small English writing on the side, which said prize every time. Uh, so felt like a bit of a mug, unfortunately. But yeah, I don't think you can beat an arcade. I don't know why. Like an old traditional seaside arcade. Love it. How about you, Kim? So I've, interestingly, I find these sort of two or 10p machines where you put your, your money in and you just watch it slowly nearly come over the edge mm. to, and you nearly feel like you're going to win, but you don't ever quite win. I've never been good at actually winning. I've been good at putting lots of two and 10p's in them but never actually winning a prize. The same with those, like, what are the things where you try and grab, like, prizes? Grabbers. Is that what they're called? <laughs> Literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've just spent hours on those, but never actually grab anything. So, yeah, I, I'm i more of an air hockey girl at the air. At the air, air hockey, yeah, I can get on board with air hockey. I mean, I went to, uh, as 
I mean, John, you sort of said, love a, love a good arcade or a seaside town. Now, I went to university in Aberystwyth, and it's weirdly, I've gone into the arcade because there's one on the pier, and it it's an arcade in Aberystwyth. It's exactly the level you think it is. Mm. Um, is it's just to the pier bar, the 24 hour night. It is. It is. My first ever nightclub, 15 years old. <sighs> My first outing ever. Was it? Uh, I, 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 it's called this now, whether it was called this. Was it peer um, pressure? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's still yeah, called peer pressure. pressure yeah. I was going to say, I'm speaking to a small audience on this podcast about <laughs> Swift now, but uh, there are two nightclubs. Uh, you got peer pressure, which, um, yeah, it's literally on the pier, which is an interesting uh, place for it. Uh, but you've also got a sort of 24 hour, you've got a 24 hour sports bar next to it. You've got a bistro uh, restaurant and you've got an arcade as well and some snooker halls as well. It is a pit, but I've gone to that arcade more after graduating than I did in three years there because basically when I go back every year with my mates and get horribly drunk and we're waiting to get the train home, we just go to the arcade for a couple of hours. So I've won quite a few little figurines. I've got a bat, little Batman one uh, where me and two friends, we all got one each. I've won a piggy bank as well in Brighton. Um, that was like when, you know, you get the tokens. Yeah, you exchange so, it on the camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that wasn't like on a grabber option. Um, but yeah, I can completely get on board with that. There are two nightclubs in Aberystwyth. You have got peer pressure and you've also got why not. And the, the question why not is pretty self-explanatory when you when you get <laughs> in there. You get two types of you get two types of people you get in, in Aberystwyth student-wise. You get the ones who go peer pressure and you get the ones who go Yoko slash why not. And depending on how old you are, you call it Yoko's or why not. But uh, yeah. Uh, any, any listeners if you've gone to either of them at, at Paul's Fancast I will happily talk to you about um, Avarice <laughs> with any day of the week um, right other questions weirdly there aren't any actually about Avarice with but uh, you know fine whatever I'm not, I'm not annoyed um, okay so Stuart Jones asks is Never struggling due to being used due to not being utilised correctly or has he gone from uh, creative to enforcer? Um, also, does him how to double the workload for Martinho every week not help him? He needs someone. I said this a few weeks ago. I think if we move to a four-two-three-one system, you almost need someone to do Neves's donkey work to allow him to to you know allow someone to do his donkey work, mobile you know be mobile, break it up, and give him the ball to start spreading passes around. At the moment, he's doing too much. I don't think we know in, his, in the system what he is, whether he's that enforcer or he's a you know our ball playing midfielder. Because I think there was a stat was another week that he's the only midfielder in the Premier League to have sixty blocks and sixty tackles. Yeah. Just Neves, and when you consider that he's meant to be our ball playing midfielder, that 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 again screams a problem that we've had this season for me. I'm trying to think of how you would describe Neves as a midfielder. Now, when he came to Wolves, as far as I'm concerned, he was sort of like a creative but defensive midfielder. Now, to me, to get the best out of him, right, we need to be playing three in the middle of the park, one one guy further forward, creative, a Vitinha type, maybe not him, but that sort of player, and then you've got Nevers holding alongside someone with legs, someone 
not 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 who I'm going to say, but of the type like a decore for Everton who can get up and down the pitch, break up play as well, but also has energy. So then, if you've got Vitinha and a decore style midfielder alongside Neves, then he he should be able to sort of dictate the tempo of the passing. You know, spray spray balls around. But right now, I feel like he's just trying to do everything. You know, when you like you're at work and you feel like you're trying to literally balance so many things at once. I feel like Neves has lost his way because he's trying to do so many different roles within midfield. Maybe yeah, Neves' best spell in the Wolf shirt was when Alfred and I was playing next to him. That, mm. that says it all for me. Mm. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're missing—a better yeah. version of Alfred and I. You know what? I, I completely forgot about Alfred and I as a footballer up until I decided to play FIFA 18 out of absolutely nowhere earlier this week. And I started smiling so much. It's like, we haven't had a player like that since we had him. And it was, it was decent. Like would, would he have done a job for us in the Premier League? Probably not. And that's why we didn't sign him. But yeah, we are screaming for that absolute busy bastard in the midfield. Yeah. There's, you know, and I've said, and I said this a while ago as well. I think there's, there's a few players in the Premier League that of that mould. You look at someone like Thomas Suchek, who can break it up, break the box. You know him and Royce for me is like the best pivot midfield in the in the Premier League. Uh, honestly, honest to God, I think that the company meant each other really, really well. And I think that, like you say, you look at that. That's the sort of player that we are missing. And yeah. for us to go to that next level, I generally think if we got someone doing Neves's leg and um, leg work and a bit of more of the the donkey work, as it were, then. I think it frees up Neves to start influencing football matches again. Yeah, no, completely agree. Um, what else have we got coming up? So, uh, Colin uh, Beeras, uh, what types of genre of movie uh, would Nuno most likely star in? I mean, he does look a lot like uh, Lawrence Fishbourne, so maybe The Matrix. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, it does look. Yeah, I can see Lawrence Fishbourne actually a little bit. Um, I don't know, like, I used to, you know, I used to say it'd be like, um, I don't know, like, very much like a bit of a thriller, like, action, maverick sort of guy that he was. But now at the moment, he almost feels like, you know, when you see, like, De Niro in a film now, and you just think you you, you look a bit worn out. Like, I don't know what that genre <laughs> is. It just I feel like he just needs a break. and he's Straight to DVD. Yeah, maybe. Not you know straight to Prime Video on the free. I think, in all seriousness, I think it's a ma- as much as a massive summer for the club and recruitment. It's a massive summer for Nuno as well in terms of needs to go home, go back to Portugal, recharge, and come back again. If he's still got it in him, I, I still think there's a good chance that he walks away from the club in the summer. Mutually, I generally mm. think he. I think he's a bit defeatist in some of his comments and his interviews, and I don't want him to go at all um, however I do think that I, I think there's a big chance he might not be at Wolves come start of next season I feel like they need to sit down it might be the fact that he will sit down with Fosen and, and work out what the best way you know for the club is moving forward and if, if they don't come to agreement I wouldn't be too surprised even though I don't want it to happen I, I agree with Jordan I don't I, I think it might be the case that they mutually just sort of, sort of, you know, say, yeah. say that's that. In terms of if he does come back refreshed, couldn't he be like a James Bond, like all action character, 
Right now, he wouldn't be James Bond, but yeah, like, yeah, be more like Johnny Depp. Right <laughs> <What? laughs> <be like, laughs> Why? Because we're not we're not very good at the minute, are we? I didn't hear what you who you said. Oh, I, I said it, I said if you come back and if if you come back now, it'd be like Johnny English. I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea because he's obviously got that thick beard at the moment. Um, like in Skyfall. Um, where like after Bond gets shot and he's just like a bit of a broken man, and then like he he get he you know he finds his groove again and like gets a bit more you know sharply shaven, and that's when Suave Nuno comes back and you know he's hitting up wine bars and you know taking down criminals. You know, you um, know what he's like at the minute. It's just come to me. He's like Rocky in Rocky Four when he tells Adrian he's going to go yeah. to Russia, and he's got that big bushy beard, and he's like. Yeah, he wants, you know, he's just, he doesn't know whether he can do it anymore or not. And then, you know, just need to get that Hearts on Fire song playing and watch him running up Technal Rock, up that hill, start screaming. I don't know what his wife's called. Let's just say he's Adrian. And just start screaming. Can you imagine if his wife's name is Adrian? Yeah, it'd be so good, wouldn't it? There you go. Oh, that, that, that would be That's brilliant. a very part, partridge film idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, two questions. Um, 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 Nag uh, King Wolf um, asks, with it being unlikely we'll do sort of pre-season tours across Europe slash the world, um, are there any random British slash Irish clubs uh, you want us to play in pre-season prep? I think I've already nailed my flag to a master at Aberystwyth Town FC. Um, will they t- will they do better than the goal I scored there a couple of years ago from about a forty-yard volley? I don't know, but and yeah, that was me just you know, humbly bragging about it. But Jordan, where do you like to see Wolves play uh, pre-season either, I guess, in Britain and Ireland? Um, I reckon we'll go to the Shetland Islands oh. and play Orkney and all those sort of other weird places. I think we need to get our confidence back, get our swag back. So I reckon, yeah, we go to the Shetland Islands on tour and we get them all farming as well. And we just sort of get the team morale back. That would be my suggestion anyway. And where would you like to have a visit slash now, basically where would you like a staycation? A few years ago, I went to a pre-season tour in Ireland mm-hmm. and that was like the dream. Love Dublin. So I would pick Dublin just because I'm selfish and I love the session up there. So and, and the teams are pretty rubbish, aren't they? So at least yeah. we get some confidence back and score some goals. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Last question is from Dean Marsden. Um, has Gully got everyone on a training regime um, in prep for a charity game? I can answer this. Judging by some of the photos in the WhatsApp group about what people have been having for dinner this week, no. Yeah, it's really pissed me off. Like I said at the start of this, you know, about we want to win and stuff. And you got Luke there with a mixed kebab and chips. And then you got Dan as well going to the famous soldier for Chippy and having a Tikka meat and chips. It's like, what are we doing, lads? That is not good for your insides. Looking at those photos, I'm nearly bombed. I don't care about the insides. It's just, it just can't be good for, you know, shifting around for 60 minutes at Molyneux a week on Monday. It's just not, you know, the, the other rival, uh, con, you know, Wolves uh, distributors of content are going to be lapping this up. But honestly, it's been an absolute utter disgrace, Dean, if you want the real answer about our preparation. <laughs> and... I'm not happy about it, to be quite honest with you. And Gully needs to pull his finger out his arse and get everyone in line. What I love is, Jordan, you sound genuinely more aggrieved at this than I've seen you on podcasts this season. 
No, no, genuinely, yeah. You know, Matt, Matt's doing his, you know, Matt's doing well with his PT and stuff. Yeah, I've um, give up the chocolate because I've become a bit of a fat bastard in lockdown three <laughs> after Christmas, and I need to shift some weight anyway. But yeah, Dan, Luke, you're a disgrace, and if we lose, I blame you. There you go. I was going to say so two two things to end on is that we are having our one and only training session next Tuesday as a group, and it's probably going to be the first time most of us have actually seen each other in a year uh, plus. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers can do. I also, just from knowing Luke, know that he could probably have a bag of chips a night and still probably turn up on a Sunday morning and still get a hat-trick but do nothing else. I feel like if you get Luke in front of the goal, he'll be fine, but it's getting him there. I've been told he's like... Um... A modern day Steve Ball, I've been told. So I'm, I'm looking for. He talks a good game, so I'm hoping to see Luke start smashing some uh, balls in the net at goals. I was going to say he, uh, he, he talked a good game, and uh, he's been talking about good game for about five years, and I don't think he's played much in the last five years. I'm so. not playing him. He'll roll back the years. He'll roll back the years. If I can, I'll see if I can get some footage of our training session as well next week. If 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 it all goes to a plan, and well, I need a break and. Um, I'm dying myself but we'll end that uh, the pod on that note big thanks as always to our sponsors Pixel Yeti Media for any of your website marketing memes uh, memes um, needs uh, they might do memes as well you never know um, go check them out at pixelyetimedia.com uh, make sure you also go check out uh, 90 min uh, football as well for any of their content um, we will be back um I was going to say later this week, probably for a pre-match show, uh, we'll be on Instagram before the Man United game. We'll be on Instagram after the Man United game and also at halftime as well. So make sure you go check us out. And we'll also be doing a podcast on it as well, where we're going to a bit more in depth. We'll also be bringing you probably in a week after that, our end of season uh, review pod, which will probably not be... uh, at the the most glorious of listens, but hopefully we can kind of reflect on the season as a whole, look at the good, the bad, the ugly, and the funny. Um, and also make sure you listen to the most recent stories from the pack, which came out, um, I was going to say today, on Wednesday, uh, features um, a, a guy called Tom, and it's a really fascinating story in terms of his sort of life and time as a Wolves fan, but, and uh, essentially how he's met players through different things from... Uh, having open heart surgery when he was a kid to then going over to Hong Kong and um, catching the Hong Kong Sevens where the Wolves under 21 team were. It is a really fun listen um, and sort of really signifies sort of what it can mean to support Wolves as well. Um, On that note, it's going to be goodbye from Jordan. Yeah, goodbye, folks. It's goodbye from Kim. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time.